0: Whoa!
1: As we get ever closer to the election of a new president here in the United States of America, I think I am certainly safe in saying that most of us probably have a great concern about our country and about what we've seen, unfortunately, in this particular presidential race. And some of those concerns would have to do with morality, especially the morality of the very fabric and fiber of civilization, and that is marriage and family. The relationship between man and woman, the relationship between mother and children, of father and children, husband to wife. Civilization goes by way of the family, and family goes by way of marriage. And in order to understand what our fears are and why we are fearful, I think we have to understand What marriage is, what family really is, what man and woman really is, what their relationships really are. Because this is embedded deep down within us. Let's face it, when the candidates try to knock each other out of the race, what do they do? Well, they go even beyond just policies, which is what they should really stick to, but they go into the areas that we're talking about here, into highlighting each other's failures in this area of human relationships, of marriage and family, of man and woman. So it points in a backhanded way, it points to the fact that these issues are deep within us. They are profound. They are fundamental to us, even in a backhanded way. So, As always, we use the riches of the church, East and West, both lungs of the church on our program, to illustrate what is wonderful about the church, what the church has to offer, in particular the Eastern churches. There is much that the Eastern churches have to offer in the whole world of man-woman relationships, of marriage and family. In our program today, we're going to dip into some of those riches. But it's important to know that our foundation is always a matter of, well, I'm going to say three things. In the Eastern perspective, the genius of the Eastern churches, I see it as basically three things, and that's that's what we present a lot on this program. The mysteries, or sacraments, the sacramental worldview, the sacramental life, the liturgy, and asceticism. These three dimensions that are very, very strong in Eastern spirituality have a lot of answers. For our world, for our nation, for marriage and family. And those riches can be seen in the, not only the liturgy in terms of the worship of the church, but also its art, its architecture, its customs. Yes, it goes that far. It's that replete. It's that comprehensive. So again, the three things are the mysteries, we call the sacraments in Eastern churches the holy mysteries, but you can use the word sacrament as well. I like to use the word sacramental worldview, because the mysteries, as everything else in the church is, the mysteries give us something more than just a particular action. They give us a vision. They immerse us in a particular view, a worldview, the one and only correct worldview, and that's the mystical one, the sacramental one. Then we have liturgy, and then asceticism. If we look at one aspect of the liturgical life of the church, and by that I also mean the icons, the architecture, including the ritual as well, look at the icon itself. If you've seen the icon of the Trinity, the the classic icon of the Trinity is the one painted by Andrei Rublev. He's a Russian Orthodox iconographer. In fact, he was canonized by the Russian Orthodox Church, and I think rightly so, because his iconography definitely has a mystical quality. It's a, he definitely had an infused gift. In Rublev's Trinity, and there are other renditions of the Trinity, but basically they're like Rublev's. That's one I'll refer to. His Trinity features three angels, and they're seated around a table. This is actually an illustration of the event in Genesis 18 in the Bible where three angels visited Abraham, and this was a foreshadowing then of God who is Trinity. It was not fully revealed yet until the New Testament, but there were shadows and hints of it in the Old Testament, and this is one of them. And sometimes this icon is called the hospitality of Abraham. In that icon, the three angels sitting around the table are seated and composed in specific ways that are very important to our message here today about how and what the Eastern churches have to offer marriage and family. The three angels are composed in a circular pattern. If you really look at it closely, they're, in a sense, they're kind of grouped almost in a circle. A circular course means something which has no beginning and no end. It's eternal. But because they are three distinct angels, and from left to right in the icon, it would be the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because they are three distinct angels, never become confused. Their persons always remain distinct, yet they become one. We believe in three persons, that is one God. Because of that, We say that the God we believe in is really a union and communion of persons. He's relational within himself. And what is that relationship? Well, we go again into the icon and we see the faces of the Trinity. The faces of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as represented by the three angels, are painted in such a way as to exude a great, great tenderness and love. And they're facing each other. In fact, their heads are bowed to each other. I call this deferential love. Now, if we stop right here and just gaze upon this icon, we already have insights that can work towards a happy marriage, guaranteed. In fact, I use this icon when I prepare people for marriage and also when I have to counsel them. And why do I have to counsel them? Because they've lost sight of or didn't realize what is in this icon and how to live by it, as well as the church's liturgy and asceticism, which we'll get to later. But in the icon, if we stop right there with what we said so far, you first of all have the why behind our desire for relationship, and that's critical because unless we understand why, you know, what's going on within us, what is driving us, what sometimes seems to be obsessing us, if we don't know why, we don't know then how, how to relate, especially in a way such as marriage, which requires so much maturity and understanding of what that sacrament, that mystery actually is. So the why behind our desire in the first place is the fact that we are made in God's image and likeness, as the scriptures say. And God is a union of of persons. He's relational within himself. We are made like that God. So our deepest desire is going to be in man-woman relationships. It's what makes us most like God. God is loving. God is fruitful. And so is our desire to be. And in order to know the how, we have to understand the sacredness, the depth of the why, of our desires. When we see somebody we're attracted to, we want to get married. Why do we? Well, we can talk about how we like that person and so on, but the real why underneath it all is because it's our yearning for intimacy, for intimacy with God that we experience through persons, because God said it all that way. So persons in this whole relationship, in fact, our desire becomes a very sacred thing. And so it should always be approached as such, as something sacred never self-centered and selfish. That brings us to the other dimension we just talked about, deferential love. What does it mean to be deferential? It means to, as you can see right in the icon, that each person of the Trinity, depicted by the angels, is bowing their head to the other. It's almost like saying, I bow to you, you are great. And The other one is saying, oh, I bow to you, you are great. Now, I want you to just picture that, especially those of you who are married. What if that's how you went through your day with each other, in deferential love? In other words, always thinking of the need of the other, putting, in a sense, blame on yourself or fault on yourself first instead of saying, well, you this and you that and you made me this and this is wrong with you and so on. This is what couples do all the time. But if they step back and said, you know, I will adopt a deferential Attitude towards my spouse, especially if they both do, you'll have a wonderful situation in your home. I guarantee it. I want you to picture for a minute the Holy Family. Think of what a day in the life of the Holy Family is like. I mean, really think about it in detail. When I think about it, I come up with one basic answer among many things. I try to decide, okay, what brand of coffee would they drink in the morning? (laughs) But if I sum it all up, the one image that comes to me is there must have been a profound, profound sense of deference to each other. I can just imagine the three persons, Christ, his mother, St. Joseph, always looking towards the other, the need of the other. What can I do for you? How can I anticipate your very next move or need? That must be going on in that household among the three of them constantly. And so they were a holy family, and that's a great model for families not just man and woman but for the whole family the model of the holy family which again is reflective of this model of the trinity depicted so ingeniously in the byzantine icon especially by Andre rublev when we come back we're going to talk a lot more about how eastern spirituality can contribute so much to the health of marriage and family in our world today i'm father thomas loya on light of the east
0: It's no secret that Father Loya and other speakers from the Tabor Life Institute are available to speak at your parish or group on marriage and family topics seen through the lens of St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body. Other topics include Eastern Christian Spirituality,
1: You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East.
0: You are listening to the choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the Sacred Liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road. Homer Glen, Illinois 60491, and may God grant you
1: Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loyal, your host. We're talking about how the gifts of the Eastern lung of the Church, especially through its liturgy, sacraments, and asceticism, can contribute so much to the the need today, you know, the need to overcome this malaise we have. Which I mentioned we've seen, unfortunately, in the presidential elections this year in America, this need we have and this malaise to really understand and to recover the real why and the how of marriage and family, of man-woman relationships. And it's all there. It really, it's all there in this liturgy and the sacraments of the church and its ascetical discipline. We started out talking about the liturgy by way of one of its icons. And notice how I put all those together. With liturgy, you have to have also the art and the architecture and the ritual. It's never isolated. So The icons are actually part of the liturgical life of the church. And then we focused on the Trinity icon and how much it has to reveal for marriage, the why and the how of it. We're going to move on. We could spend a lot of time on that icon. We're going to move on to some other riches of the Eastern churches and its liturgy, sacraments, and asceticism that contribute towards healthy marriage and relationships and family today. In the wedding ceremony itself in the Eastern churches, There are many things that are different about it than what are commonly understood as wedding ceremonies, either in the Latin Rite Church, Protestant churches, or in the secular venues. Some things are the same, similar, but there's some things that are very different. One of those things is the very beginning of the ceremony. When the priest—this is the custom in the Eastern churches—the priest walks the bride and groom standing together. But not separated. They're standing together. He walks the two of them into the church in procession, starting at the back of the church and processes towards the front of the church for the ceremony. The couple are together and the priest leads them in. Why is that just that itself significant? Because the meaning behind that is twofold. The couple, their relationship is being transformed. And this is very important for couples to understand. When they come into that wedding ceremony, And when they leave it, they are different people. They have been immersed in another reality. Their relationship has been taken to a whole new level. So entrance, participation, immersion, very Eastern Christian terms, are very strong, even in just this one action. Their relationship is being entered into the life of the church, but also, and this will come later in the ceremony, in a very moving part of the ceremony, their relationship is being entered and elevated into the very life of the Trinity. Yes, the very life of the Trinity, which we spoke about just earlier with the icon. Marriage is a sharing in the very interior life of the Trinity, where more than one always remain distinct individuals, but they become one. That's the mystery of the Trinity, that's the mystery of marriage. In fact, in the wedding ceremony, one of the moving moments, as I mentioned, was when the priest takes the hand of the bride and groom, and they put their hands together, all three join their hands together, and the priest leads them. Once again, he's leading them in a walk around the tetrapod or the altar, and this walk is actually the very first walk the couple takes as husband and wife, and what is the first walk they have? Is it to the banquet hall for the reception and for pictures? No. Their first walk together, the very, very first time they move their feet together in unison, they're walking into the very life of the Trinity. And that's a reality. That actually happens. Now, what could possibly remind a couple of the holiness and the lofty nature of their sacramental marriage than that? In our eparchy, the Eparchy of Parma, we created two DVDs on this point about how a couple's life is changed, transformed, elevated through the actual ritual of marriage. One of those is called Living a Sacramental Marriage. This is a DVD, which I highly recommend. If you would like to have a copy, then you can email me at taborlife at taborlife at This is a DVD in which a couple is taken through the wedding ceremony but what happens is at each moment of the ceremony, just as I'm doing now, there's a pause and there's some dramatic vignettes about this couple's life and situations in their life. In other words, it's sort of a of a chronology of the years of a couple's life from the moment they're married, actually before they're even married, to the very end of their lives. And what the video is doing, it is taking the couple back to every aspect of the wedding ceremony and reminding them that for every experience they have through the course of their marriage, there is a help, an answer in that ceremony that united them in the first place as husband and wife. There is an answer, there is a wisdom, there is a reservoir that they can dip into to help them in their marriage for the rest of their lives. This is what I mean by the liturgical gift, the liturgical worldview that liturgy is something that has an eternal value for us. We just don't do a wedding. Okay, we got married and we leave the church. We just don't do liturgy or do the mass. You know, okay, I went to church. No. Those sacraments, the liturgies of the church, East and West, immerse us in a reality. We enter into something and what's in that reality is something we're supposed to be drawing upon our whole life. It's not just something we do and, and we get like like a stamp or something. Okay, you are married, now off to the banquet hall. No, it's an immersion in something that's supposed to give you a blueprint for your life, a blueprint for your marriage. And it's right there in the liturgy. So this DVD called Living a Sacramental Marriage is a wonderful tool to do this. In fact, I use it again, for marriage preparation. And it's actually an outgrowth of another DVD called Till Death Unites Us Forever. How about that one? Till Death Unites Us Forever. This is actually a docudrama. This is where you, the viewer, actually gets to go through the ceremony and act out, dramatize the meaning of every aspect of it, the meaning for the whole life of a couple. So the first video a couple could just view. The other one can be done on the parish level as an interactive docudrama. I mentioned it's called Till Death Unites Us Forever. That might sound strange to you. Hopefully it sounded interesting to you. In the Eastern churches, we don't say Till Death Do You Part. We say Till Death Unites You Forever. We're not disagreeing with Till Death Do You Part because death does part us in a certain way. But let's go back to the sacrament and the liturgy and the icons. But if we are united in Christ, you know, Christ is God, and God is the God of the living, not of the dead. When we unite ourselves with God, we necessarily unite ourselves with people in this life and in the next. In other words, we span that chasm between eternity and this life. And so to be united in Christ as a couple is, to enter into the life of the Trinity as a couple does in the ceremony, is to unite them forever. but. It's a uniting, but not in an exclusive way. So in a sense, what the West says, that death do us part, it arrives at a similar point as the East that says till death unites forever, because we are united forever, but not in an exclusive way. In other words, husband and wife are married not just to each other forever, but they've all become the one bride of the bridegroom, Christ, at the wedding feast of the Lamb. And if you want to understand that, You can understand it very easily every time you attend a Eucharistic celebration, because in the Eucharist is where we all become one together, not just my family who sits over here in church every Sunday. We go to communion together. Yeah, you do, but it's not just your family. It's you and all the families, all the single people, the priest, everybody becomes one. And what is that one we become? We become that one bride of the bridegroom Christ in the liturgy, in the Eucharist. In the West, they call it the Mass. So that gives us a hint already on earth of what we mean in the East by till death unite you forever. And finally, I'll bring in the ascetical dimension. The ascetical dimension, of course, refers largely to monastic life. And to have the monastic element in a person's life, whether single, but especially in this case married, is essential for a happy marriage. It will help guarantee a happy marriage because the ascetical discipline simply means this. Embracing that one fundamental promise we all take at our baptism, to die, to die to ourself and to rise to the new self, our real self, to take up that cross in our life, which is the mystery of death, but not just death, death and resurrection. St. John Chrysostom talked about married couples having to be good monks. I know it sounds strange, but it's true, because if they are good monks, they will be wonderful married people, and the reverse is true. A monastic will be a very good monastic if they live their celibate vows in a spousal way. So the two things are actually the two things are actually interdependent: celibacy and marriage. In fact in the prayers for marriage in the Eastern Church, we pray to God that he will help the couple practice matrimonial chastity. That's exactly what this means. To be virtuous, disciplined, and ascetical. Even in their love life, yes, in their relational life. To bring in that element of monasticism in order to be good and happy married people. There's so much more we can do with this, and maybe we'll take it up in other programs. I just wanted you to know that in this day and age, there is great hope for marriage and family and man and woman relationships found in the very sacramental, liturgical, and ascetical life of the Church. Thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again,
0: visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit byzantinecatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media.
1: More to life with Dr. Greg and Lisa Popchek. The church has
0: 2,000 years of wisdom to share on what it takes to live life
1: gracefully. We're so overwhelmed by how much our faith has transformed our marriage and family especially. We want everyone to experience the incredible gift that the Catholic vision of life and love really is. More to Life with Dr. Greg and Lisa Popchek. Weekdays, 10 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Thank you for listening.